It's Zach Bangley-Chichi. I'm not popular. Last week on the show, we discussed Caitlyn Jenner and Lana Del Rey's wonderful album, Blue Bannisters. This week, we're looking at two novels by gay men, one describing youth and one describing old age, those being Brett Easton Ellis's Less Than Zero and Andrew Holleran's The Kingdom of Sand. I'm not popular. I don't know. I just love doing these solo episodes. It's like so fun and intimate just to be alone here with you, staring straight into your eyes and telling you my thoughts about the world and how it should be. Needless to say, because of the format of my show this season where I've been doing my best to synthesize all of this art and hopefully use it to create a new philosophy for the new world, the Shinsekai. I don't know, I just have like all of this media constantly buzzing around my head and like resounding in the corners of my brain so that it ends up like coloring the hue of my life. For instance, the month of reading it took to get everything together for that Holocaust trilogy, I truly felt like my worldview and perspective had been submerged into the bleakest and most apocalyptically black darknesses of the human experience. And I guess you could probably say the stuff I've been talking about in the last few weeks is a little bit more lighthearted, but nonetheless, reflecting on that cursed and beautiful water polo player Arai Atsushi and Death in Venice and Caitlyn Jenner and Lana Del Rey, those are absolutely seeping into the way I see the material world around me right this instant. Now, I take the Tokyo Metropolitan Subway to work every day, Monday to Friday, and when you have such a rigorous routine when you're like taking the same train at the same time, making the same transfer and going to the same platforms day in and day out, you become very aware of the images around you and like the textural surface of that little routine you have. I buy my black coffee at the same vending machine. I use like the same ticket gate every time. I get on the third train so that I have like 20 extra seconds to make my transfer and I can tell you like in detail exactly about what all of these walls look like because I see them every morning, every day. So when I arrived to my station on Monday morning, I cannot begin to tell you how aghast I was to find that all of these big columns in the ticket gate of my station had been decorated with these enormous eight-foot-tall advertisements featuring players from a Japanese rugby team. And not only does it feature these men in extremely tight clothing showcasing their ludicrously large thighs and the bulging musculatures at the top of their bodies, it also tells you exactly how much they weigh, how tall they are, and what their names are, as well as where they're fucking from. Not to sound histrionic, but this was, like, literally sexually torturous for me. (laughs) Like, they are all so handsome. They have, like, these, like, very charming boyish beards. And I looked at all of their birth dates, which are so conveniently listed, and they're all fucking born in 1996, 1997, 1998, 1999. 
reflecting on death in Venice, I felt like I had been possessed by an onslaught of, like, Ezio's, like, right then. It's not exactly the mindset I want to be in for my morning commute before I even get into the fucking office. They keep the trains in Tokyo really hot as well, like, despite the fact the weather is finally warming up. So I literally felt like the fucking protagonist of Death in Venice with, like, the hair dye dripping down his head when I was, like, sweaty and accosted by all of these burly fucking rugby players on the goddamn columns of the station. It was very intense for me. There was something very ominous, actually, about my reaction to these rugby players. Because... I feel like being so forcefully reminded of youthful beauty in fact reminded me of the looming presence of death. Whether it be Caitlyn Jenner's futile search to make herself the beautiful AGP fantasy she dreams of being, or Lana Del Rey reflecting on how her love may die as she and her lover become older and something like young and beautiful, I saw these rugby players and I said, oh my god, I'm going to literally die one day. Wrestling with beauty and what it means in my own life is something that anyone who listens to the show will know I am perhaps a little bit preoccupied with, um, <laughs> to put it lightly. And it's funny because the very act of thinking about or attempting to like render beauty is actually antithetical to what quote, beauty, unquote, really is. Beauty is this phantasmal concept so impossible to corporally grasp that the effort to steal it from the intangible realm into that of the tangible actively diffuses it of its power. It demystifies and simplifies and ruins the whole thing. To describe or endlessly talk about, quote, beauty, unquote, over actually just experiencing it, is to, uh, to make it boring and trite. And I might be so hyper-fixated on trying to describe and understand that notion of uh, youthful beauty because it feels like the only means I possess of overcoming it and resisting its ability to totally blow up my life. Like, if I'm getting so worked up in the train station over a bunch of advertisements for some lowly B-tier rugby players, like, I have to use my only defense mechanism, which is to over-intellectualize it. And, you know, that's not even enough to do the trick. Because no matter how much time I spend on this podcast, trying to intellectualize what shapes, features, and qualities make someone beautiful, no matter how close I get to approximating it and taming it with words, I know that some charming figure will turn a corner in Nichome, or I'm going to cr- come across more rugby players, and it's going to just reduce me to horny slime. Like a literal Shin Megami Tensei low-level slime that you, like, you come across in the first few levels, and then you like either just bash it out, or you use it as like a low-level demon for the first like two hours of the game. But at the same time, I don't even think that I care all that much about youth. Because most of my sexual interests rest firmly in masculine older figures in their mid to late 30s and early 40s. Like, that's my type. But all the same, when I cross paths with someone that just has that 
inexpressible quality of youthful beauty, I still find myself spellbound. There's a great quote in one of my favorite Nicholas Winding Refn movies, The Neon Demon, where uh, one desperate model in L.A. says to the angelic new girl, certain to displace her, she says, What's it feel like to walk into a room, and it's like in the middle of winter, you're the sun. And then, of course, this gorgeous new girl replies, It's everything. I'm obviously still very young, and I'm sure that a young person reflecting on youth is a little annoying, but what is my show if not at least a little bit irritating? But, you know, I'll turn 27 this year. That means something, right? (laughs) I'm not going to talk about twink death because I think that's stupid. I think that's a boring concept, and I think the word twink has to be retired along with the word faggot and bottom for the next 10 years. Um, But, you know... I do feel a little bit that perhaps my flower has already bloomed. Perhaps my pinnacle is behind me and I'll never be as beautiful as I once was. I think I talked about this with John a little bit on um, one of our first collaborations together. But I remember when I was just 20 years old in uh, Vancouver, BC, I was going on a spring break trip with my friend Ava and... I went to a gay bathhouse by myself, and when I did walk into that sauna, I did feel like I was the sun, and it was everything. And, um, I think I do a good job of maintaining my confidence and my charisma, and that's enough to compensate for a lot of essences of beauty, but I'm not sure I'll ever be able to turn heads in the same way that Elle Fanning does in that movie. At least, um, not again, anyway. So, here I am, constantly thinking about all of these ridiculous little concepts of what it means to be beautiful, and what it means to observe youthful beauty, and what it means that it might be over for me, or maybe it's not, I don't know. But, um, there's a a quote that I came across when I was reading my favorite publication, the New York Times. It was in a review of, um one of those can movies about a donkey. <laughs> and uh, it's a, a quote from uh, Robert Bresson, the uh, filmmaker. And uh, he basically, uh, they, they write in the New York Times, Ahasard Balthazar, Robert Bresson's sublime 1966 film about a donkey who is loved, brutalized, and eventually dies in a state of grace. Bresson once said of his donkey that he has in his life the same stages as does a man. That is to say, childhood, caresses, maturity, work, talent, genius in the middle of life, and the analytical period that precedes death. If Bresson is right about how uh, life unstages in these cycles, I'm still kind of pushing to get to the work part of it. My maturity is probably not yet uh, fully pronounced, but that's definitely got to be the case for most Zoomers. Kim Kardashian is right when she tells us to shut up, sit our ass down, and work. But thinking about life that way, and about these stages that we pass through, and how we can consider them, especially when we're grappling with something as lofty as, quote, beauty, unquote, I think he's definitely onto something. 
at least if you consider a little something called the entire duration of art history, anyway. I mean, in Japan, basically all pop culture from anime to idol music, it's all about the pubic process of individuating yourself from your paternal figures and becoming a individual who can stand on his or her own two feet. And in the West, of course, we have Bildungsroman, 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 I don't know how to say that word. I can see it in my head right now, but I don't know how to say it. Anyway, that exists too. Those specific forms are clearly about youth and its passage and how being young in uh, the passage of time can be both a revelatory and sort of sad, melancholic experience. And, of course, after that, basically, every author in history has um, spent the last few years of their lives writing very morosely uh, these moribund, grave-like books where they decry their own decaying state. I mean, Mishima Yukio is a prime suspect of that pattern. But in spite of this traditional, ancient mode of thinking about the passage of time and the span of a life, I do feel strangely lost in trying to pick apart my own relationship with youthfulness and with old age. I feel like I am particularly sensitive and not necessarily afraid of getting older because I feel like life gets better every year, but knowing exactly what it means in my own perception of things, if that makes any sense at all. Like I said, I'm, I'm really not dreading getting older, despite what things like the comeback and its depiction of Mickey um, might lead me to uh, believe how dark things could get in the future, but I do find myself caught up in this fabulously complicated knot where I am trying to frame the stages of my life as I'm passing through them while looking forward and backward at once, and then also observing this youthful beauty around me in the mundane details of my everyday life, and I'm just finding myself to be very, um, caught up in all of it. I think that, um, despite the fact I obviously overanalyze myself all the time, I do believe that this is a little bit of an affliction that affects, uh, a lot of people in the contemporary moment. I think basically, since the end of World War II and the last war in which, uh, youth had to prove themselves in life or death as warriors, we probably do now sit in a moment where these concepts are becoming gradually looser and less essential to the human experience. With the internet, age uh, virtually vanishes once you can get over the hill of uh, sounding like you're old on the internet. If you know how to present yourself and you know how to avoid those trappings, then you can virtually disappear into a pool of eternal youth until you suddenly expire. And so that's why I think we have to look at these two books. And it's also why... I...